Hey everyone, welcome back to the Practicology Podcast, where we are putting theology to work in our everyday lives. You can get back to us by email at info at practicologypodcast.com or on our Twitter handle at M&M's Podcast. I am Matthew Kane, and I co-host this podcast along with my friend, Mike Knox. Hopefully in the near future, we'll have some guests join us on the podcast. But right now, we are in the midst of a little mini-series. Uh, last episode, Mike started talking about how to bring the gospel home to our kids. He brought us to first base and then second base. And in this one, he's going to cover third base and then home plate. Mike, who's on third? Hey, Matthew. Yeah, it's good to be back. And that's right. Uh, we did cover first and second base. We're talking about how to bring the gospel home to our children. And first we talked about from Deuteronomy 6, we have to get to first base. We have to get God's word into our own hearts. We need to grow in our own discipleship and kindle a love for the Lord in our own hearts. That is the most important thing of all. And then we looked at second base, uh, which was teaching God's word holistically. This God that we've come to know is God over all. Uh, the famous Kuiper quote says something like, there's not a square inch of the universe that Jesus Christ is not Lord over. So we want to teach the God, God's word holistically, his reign over all of our life, his gospel having to do with every part of life, teaching the word of God to our kids. Yeah, in formal times at, at a meal or, or at bedtime, but also in the informal moments of life. When questions come up, issues come up, we try to relate and point our children back to Christ. And so now we want to talk about getting to third base, Matthew. And and third base is this, we need to set up our home for success. Before I just show that from the passage in Deuteronomy 6 that we're looking at, maybe just a word of hopefully encouragement for you. Matthew, you and I were talking about this before we recorded just now and how quickly this subject can create feelings of guilt within parents today. And we're not exactly sure where that comes from, Part of that, I think, is that we compare ourselves to others, and we hear that they're reading in Deuteronomy, and we think, well, we should be doing that too, and maybe some people do multiple times a day, and, and we, we just feel guilty and, and so uh, insufficient. But that's not the point of this podcast. I, I know there are some convicting moments, perhaps, in these episodes, but really the overall desire is to empower us to teach our kids the gospel. I remember before we had our first child, one of the things I was really excited about was, well, I'll finally have someone to share my love for fill in the blank, you know, a, a certain set of books like the Chronicles of Narnia. I'll finally have someone to pass this on to. Well, that, that should be our attitude. This is not something we have to do. This is something we get to do. And so maybe approach it with that attitude. You are a disciple. You love the Lord. Now you get to share it with your children. You get to do all that you can to make the fire jump from your heart to theirs. So with that said, let's get to third base. Set up our home for success. We're in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, the famous Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Just coming a few verses down, it says in verse 8, you shall bind these words, the words of the Bible. You shall bind these words as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. These two verses are showing that the very clothing and architecture of our homes and of our lives are to be a teaching aid of the Bible. This is the place where we actually get to focus our interior design on the Bible, making it a teaching aid. 
And so the ancient Israelite was to have their home set up so that when they left the door in the morning and came back, maybe after a hard day of work, there would be this reminder. Oh yeah, this is our God. This is who we are. This is who we believe in. Our God is is our unseen guest present at all times in this home. As we leave the house, we remember we do all of our life under our God. All of our life is to be controlled and shaped by our relationship with him. And all of, our be- all of our behavior inside the home and with one another, our whole life is to be governed by our faith in the Lord. Suppose dad came home from a hard day at work and he just felt like bowling someone over and he hangs up his coat and he turns and he, oh, there's that scripture again. Oh yes, the Lord is the Lord of this home. He tells me not to provoke my children to anger I'm to uh, love my wife as Christ loves the church. I I just need to calm down here and let that govern my behavior. So this is a this is an exciting truth where uh, Scripture is telling us that one of the ways we can help our children catch our faith is to set up our home for success. And I think I've heard that Martin Luther, he used to carve scripture into the furniture. I'm not sure his wife appreciated that very much. And I'm not suggesting we go quite that far, but we we just love the word of God so much that we want it to be displayed in our home. So I'm going to talk briefly here about structuring our home for success and then also stocking our home. First of all, how do we structure our home for success? Are there ways that we can set up our home to help us get the word of God into our children's hearts? When uh, the FedEx driver comes to our door, can he tell who our Lord is? If an auditor came into our home and checked each room, would he conclude in my case that Jesus was my Lord or that the Winnipeg Jets, uh, in my case, were my Lord? So, So we've tried to work on this, my wife Helen especially. Andy Crouch has a great book. Uh, on, on this called the TechWise Family, Everyday Steps for Putting Tech in Its Proper Place. Our home says something about our heart and priorities. If our homes are dominated by screens, all the chairs oriented towards, say, a big entertainment system, then, then we're setting ourselves up for consumption. If the chairs are rearranged to face one another, we're setting up the architecture of our home for conversation. If all of our kids have lots and lots of devices from the very earliest age and their com- each bedroom has TV screens and computers and gaming consoles, again, uh, I'm not suggesting that any of these things are wrong, but if that's the dominating theme of the architecture of our home, then we're saying something very much about the value that is taught in our home. So there's simple reality that setting up our homes in certain ways will nudge us to certain behaviors. Those behaviors can be healthy and life-enriching, or they can be soul-depleting. Crouch says the best way to choose character is to make it part of the furniture. So what does this look like? Well, maybe it means you buy a piano and encourage times of singing together. Maybe in addition to shelves with DVDs and computer games and, and so on, maybe you also have bookshelves filled with lots of books. This was something that we tried to do when the kids were young. It's just from the earliest days, have lots of books for them, age appropriate. And uh, every day they would come and every single one of our kids as a little toddler, every single time they would come every day and clear all the books off that shelf. And I never once saw them put the books back up. We had to do that. But it's okay. They're touching books. They're opening books. They're starting to get a love for reading, which we hope will translate into reading the Bible. I remember they used to come into my office and they'd start grabbing commentaries off the shelf and they would wreck a few. And I 
just by the Lord's help, tried to to react in a in a positive way. It's like, okay, maybe if I don't blow it right now, maybe when this girl's eighteen, she's going to come back into Daddy's study and pull that commentary off and use it for what it was designed for. And so we want to set up our home for success. A fireplace is a powerful way of drawing the family together for conversation, for reading, for healthy, constructive activity. A dining room table, a space to eat together, a time in the schedule to to meet together as a family. These are all ways that you get to help nudge your family towards uh, positive, enriching times of conversation. And yes, including times of reading the word of God together. So you can set up your home for success. You can also stock your home with resources. I've already mentioned books, but lest you think I'm totally anti-screens, there are great DVDs. And I'm speaking, Matthew, as a father whose children are still quite young. And my girls love the Torchlighter DVDs about these famous heroes of the faith. And the, the recent Pilgrim's Progress DVD that came out, I just cannot... I cannot speak too highly of it. I'm so excited that it's possible that this great story, this classic story is now going to be shaping the lives of a new generation, an absolute classic. So there's great DVDs you can buy. Uh, we we um, subscribe to the Odyssey thing app and so the kids can listen to Odyssey and focus on the family. Radio theater has done some great productions. There's all kinds of stuff like this, um, even, even a catechism app. Um, there's different apps you can buy and And so these are all just ways, not just books, but also screens. There's ways we can set up our home, we can stock our home, and all in the spirit of Deuteronomy 6, where we display the word of God, we organize our very home to encourage our children to remember who is our God. That's great, Mike, because you've taken what, as you said at the beginning, sort of may seem like a monumental task, insurmountable, but you've given some very practical and achievable steps and working towards it with the help of the Lord. So appreciate that valuable and practical counsel there for a theology of evangelizing our children. Let me question you a little bit about that catechism app that you mentioned, for example. Catechizing, for those who don't know, is teaching someone the principles of your faith by memorizing questions and answers. Some of our listeners may associate it specifically with Catholicism because perhaps you had Catholic friends who went to a weekly catechism class. Well, it isn't exclusively Catholic by any means, but it's not something a lot of us would have heard much about. Uh, While I had looked into it a little, I just became a little wary of taking that approach myself in our own home. I feel it likely would be effective for some kids. I wondered if that process of just rote memorization of question and answer would drive some other kids bonkers. Uh, I do certainly want to put some effort into encouraging them to memorize scripture verses. I'm thankful for my wife, Esther, taking the weight of that burden in recent years in our home. My point here is merely, I'm not sure all children would respond well to the memorization that's inherent in catechism. What would you say to that in response? Well, fair point, Matthew. And I uh, I rattled off some things only as suggestions and not, uh, th- this is actually a good point to clarify. We don't want to be legalistic here, right? Please don't go away from this episode thinking, oh, you can't do this, or we're supposed to do this, or anything like that. This is just one option. This is one possible thing that can help. And in the case of the one that we use, uh, there's uh, it's all done by song, and they're very catchy songs. And for us, this is a fun thing. It's a case of playing it, and uh, and all the kids start jumping around the the living room, uh, singing the songs together, and bouncing around, and and so on. So. 
I think that's important too. It, it's not all uh, a very formal and controlled environment. Having Bible time with our kids can be a lot of fun. So this sounds like a, a lot of fun. You've got you've got kids bouncing around the living room. You've got them pulling commentaries off the shelves. This sounds absolutely wild. I love it. All right. Well, it's time to to get to home. How do we get to home plate? We've rounded third, and now we've got home plate in our sights. Well, here's how. We need to center on Christ to bring all this home. Let me just refer briefly to verses at the end of the chapter, 21 to 25, where the the scriptures envision a home where the dad and mom, they do love the Lord with their heart, and it spills out. They talk about the Lord, and formally and informally, it's part of the very warp and woof of their life. Their very house is structured to set up uh, their children for success so they know who the Lord is. And in such an environment as that, it is almost certain that a child will come, just as is envisioned in 21 to 25, a child will come and ask you, the father or the mother, in time to come, what is the meaning of these teachings and commandments from the Lord? And this is how we're to respond. We're to say to our son, well, this is how the ancient Israelite was to respond. We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. So the question is that that the son is asking, why do we do this, dad? What's the point of our faith? What's the point of living for God? What's the meaning of the way our family practices our faith? And how is the father to respond? He's to respond this way. Son, the answer is redemption. It's the gospel. And this is the point I'm gathering, that in order for us to bring the gospel home to our children, Christ must be front and center. He must be the one we we rely on to bring the Bible home. Uh, An awful lot of Bible teaching never gets around to saying anything about Christ. It never gets around to talking about our our problem of sin and and Jesus' cross, his resurrection, his coming again, faith in him alone as a way of being saved. Instead, it's very big on life principles and applications and do this, and this is how you deal with your mean brother and so on, which, which is important. But too much of our Bible teaching sometimes misses the mark and misses the one who really can bring the gospel home to our kids' hearts. You think about this. What is it that will capture the imagination of our little boys? Isn't it telling them of the prince who came from heaven to slay the dragon and rescue the princess? How how can we capture the heart of of our little daughters? Isn't it by telling them that all who believe in Christ become part of Christ's bride and that we will be with him forever in a very happy place forever? These it's Christ who can capture the imagination of our children's hearts. And so we want to focus on Christ. We want to explain to our children that he alone is the way of salvation. But we also want to carry on and say he is the way we live out our faith. He's not only the way we get saved, he's also the way we deal with our problems with our brother. He's also the way we find power to forgive. He's also the one we take our fears to. And so as we focus on teaching the Bible to our children, as we make decisions about a curriculum that or a resource we're going to use to teach the Bible to our children, 
as we select books for them to read and so on, we want to be asking, is the Lord Jesus in this? Does this resource focus on and center on the Lord Jesus? When we teach our children the Bible, our default move is always to the Lord Jesus. Maybe they cry about their body image and we respond by showing them the Christ who took on flesh to help them. Maybe they're afraid. We point them to Christ who will never leave them or forsake them. We want to point them all to Christ. Well, Matthew, that that's our, our four bases. And uh, we spent a fair bit of time on this. Let me just finish by putting it all together. How do we actually do this? What would this look like? Well, just to speak to an individual parent, this is, this is how it would look. You, you read your Bible, you pray, you trust in the Lord day by day. You cultivate your own relationship with him. You bring to him your struggles and your praises. You're a work in progress yourself. And out of that, out of that authentic relationship you have with the Lord, you prayerfully pick a time or a way to teach your children. Perhaps it'll be at mealtime. Perhaps it'll be at bedtime. But you just read some scripture. You talk about it a little bit. You pray with them. Maybe they have some questions. As they ask them, you direct them to what you read. You, you point them to the Lord. As you're out and about, you take one with you as you do some errands or get some shopping done. And things come up and, and it just naturally pops into your mind by the Holy Spirit to relate these things to Christ. That's what it looks like. How about the, the formal part, the family devotion part? I'd encourage you to start when, you're, when they're small. Even a baby sitting in the high chair can just get used to hearing your voice, get used to the concept of having mommy and daddy read and pray in front of them. As they get a wee bit older, you could use a picture Bible. We love the big picture Bible. It's an awesome book. I, I learned things from it as an adult. The big picture Bible is excellent, but there's many others. Again, you want them to focus a little bit on the Lord. As they get a wee bit older, read from the real Bible. Maybe you have a little thing to help you, guide you. Maybe you do just one story at a time, but just read some scripture with them. You could do a little bit of memorization. Once in a while, you could take a break and, and do a storybook, a missionary biography, whatever. One book that has captured our family's heart very much is Sammy and a Shepherd by Susan Hunt. And I would highly recommend it. Even uh, it speaks not only to, to my children, but it speaks to me. I weep when I read that book out loud. And uh, we've even had some teens in our home that were away from the Lord. And, and I deliberately just made it part of our time when they were here. And it speaks to teenage angst very, very much as well. Beautiful, beautiful book. Sammy and a Shepherd by Susan Hunt. But yeah, I mean, we can act it out. We can make it fun. We can get them to ask questions. We can ask them questions. We can sing. But again, I want to I wanna end by this is something doable. This is something that flows out of your faith. This is not something that has to be long and drawn out. Just seek to weave Bible time, not only into the architecture of your home, but into the natural flow of your schedule of your life with your children. Amen. I am praising the Lord for this session, Mike. I've enjoyed it so much and appreciate what you've put into it, teaching us how to bring the gospel home. Thank you for getting us all the way to home plate, home base. I love your comments about starting when the children are just babies. I agree 100%. And even just how to put it all together. The, the task is massively important, but you've, you've made it seem achievable. It puts the theology into practice and it makes us... It makes us think, it, it convinces us that this is something that we can do in our home after all. Now, you put a lot into these two episodes. Uh, what if someone wants a little bit more? Where can they go for some more help and encouragement? Any suggestions? 
Well, I would recommend the Andy Crouch book uh, on, on the TechWise family. It seems to me that growing in wisdom with how to deal with our screens is becoming not less but more important. His book will make you rethink some positions that you might default to in your life, some practices that you default to in your life. Uh, and the truth is I need to reread it now because my kids are just getting into the 12, 13 age. And yeah, I need some reminders from that book. But specifically for teaching the Bible to our children and, and discipling our, our children, a new book that's just come out is called Family Discipleship, Leading Your Home Through Time, Moments, and Milestones. And it's written by Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin. I've only skimmed it a wee bit, but what I've seen looks very balanced, very helpful, very encouraging. Uh, so I can't just give a uh, resounding endorsement of it, but it looks promising and maybe you could find some help there. Super. And uh, maybe our listeners missed out on the fact that February was I Love to Read month. Maybe you neglected to buy some books that month and do some reading. So Mike's given us some great suggestions there. Let me throw out one more suggestion for a daily reading at the table with your children beyond the reading of scripture. I, I think actually, Mike, you recommended this to me first a few years ago. It is called Everyone a Child Should Know by Claire Heath White. It takes a quick trip through some men and women of Christian history and all of us in our family loved it. We've gone through it multiple times and the kids want to go through it again soon. Uh, Mike, I think you've got the scriptures of Se uh, Psalm 78 there close at hand and I think that would be a good way to close. Well, here's Psalm 78 verses 5 to 8. He, God, established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Matthew, may this episode just help us to pass on the wonderful works of God to another generation. Amen. May the Lord have mercy on us and on our children. Thanks everyone so much for tuning in today. We pray it is a true blessing to you and to your family. And we hope you can join us again soon for the next episode on the Practicology Podcast. Have a great day, everyone.